Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the program. William Hemsworth here. Great to be back with you. Pleased to welcome our special guest today, uh, B- Bishop Joseph Strickland. He's the fourth bishop of Tyler, Texas. He's written a great book as well, titled Light and Love and published by Catholic Answers. And he's the host of the Bishop Strickland Hour at Virgin Most Powerful Radio on Tuesday afternoons. Your Excellency, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, William? I'm great. Thank you for taking the time today to come on the program. It's an honor to talk with you, sir. Sure. Glad to do it. Before we get into your book, do you mind uh, telling our viewers and listeners a little bit about your diocese? Sure. Um, We're in the northeastern corner of Texas, uh, typically called the Piney Woods, very different part of Texas than most people who aren't maybe just have a a movie image of Texas. Uh, Rolling hills, Piney Woods, a lot of lakes. Um, I'm told that a huge percentage of the water in Texas is right here in our diocese. So we've had some oil too, but uh, water is pretty valuable. So we have a lot of water. The diocese is 33 counties right up in the northeastern corner. We border on Oklahoma and Louisiana, Uh, about 120,000 Catholics, more or less, maybe a little bit bigger than that now. Um, So it's, we're probably eight, nine percent Catholic a lot of evangelical Protestant, but in these days, I, I find a real resonance there with a lot of that I talk about, sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, God made us male and female, you know, some pretty basic uh, teachings that Catholic or evangelical Protestant, right. we're on the same page. Um, so uh, a friendliness there, the diocese has existed since 1987. I was ordained for the Diocese of Dallas, and then I became a separate Diocese of Tyler. In I was ordained in 85. It became a the Tyler Diocese in 87, and I've been here since the very beginning. Oh, great. Sounds like a beautiful place over there. Yeah, I, I like it. All right. Now, <laughs> your book, what prompted you to write the book, uh, your book, Light and Leaven? Well, it uh, really grew out of covid Um, We have a great executive director of our institute, the St. Philip Institute, here in in the diocese, and 
uh, Dr. Stacy Trasenkos is the name of our director. Okay. We meet weekly, and she at one point said, Bishop, you need to write a book. And I'd really never envisioned myself writing a book. And uh, so I said, mm, okay, well, probably not, but we'll see. And then um, as COVID happened and so much was shut down, I was still able to come into the office, but a lot wasn't happening. So much was canceled. I was in town a lot more because the trips were canceled. So during that time, Catholic Answers contacted me and said, would you be willing to collaborate with us and, and write a book? And that's that's sort of how it came about. Um, there, the, the light and leaven were their ideas. Basically, the concept of the book was presented by Catholic Answers and said, Bishop, would you talk about these and your vision of of how the laity can be light and leaven for, frankly, a very broken world and church at times. Um, and so I said, sure, uh, I'll talk. And that's what I did for about 10 hours of interviews. Um, it, it's funny because I grew up as a, I am by nature a pretty quiet person. But it, when it comes to my faith in Jesus Christ, my faith in our beautiful Catholic faith, um, I talk a lot, and I'm, I'm very willing to do that because I think we need to, for us as Catholics and for those who are searching, um, we need to really recognize the great treasure that we have in our relationship with God, Father, Son, and Spirit through the tradition of the Catholic faith, word and sacrament. So with that, we talked for, had about 10 hours of interviews that then we went back and forth with editing and Catholic Answered helped tremendously to produce the book that you have there on your desk. And it's really a great book. I encourage everyone to check it out. And I thank you for being that voice to speak up, especially during during these times. Now, in, in your book, you state that the renewal, uh, renewal in the church must come through Jesus on the altar. Can you elaborate on that for us? I, I truly can. I truly believe that even more deeply than when when I wrote it a little over a year ago, I guess. Um, and we've had so much controversy about the Eucharist in, in, in the interim. Yeah. We, a lot of that, William, really comes from my own prayer. And I have to say, as a bishop, I've really, as I tell people, my prayer life has skyrocketed. And that's a great blessing. And it helps me to face the challenges of really being a successor of the apostles. One of the unique gifts that we have, there are many blessings in the church, a wonderful heritage of faith, but especially with the, the evangelical Protestants that we're surrounded by here in East Texas, one treasure that they don't have, that they disagree and do not believe in the real presence, they don't believe that the bread and wine is anything more than a symbol. Right. And for us as Catholics, it's it's almost our Catholic DNA. It, I mean, it it is so basic to being Catholic, a deep belief and relationship with Christ in his Eucharistic presence. So I truly believe that is where the renewal of the church and the world will come from. Because William, I really believe that the Eucharist is is of founding block, the cornerstone, you could say, from Scripture. But the Eucharist is that cornerstone of what 
how humanity is supposed to live in this time where the Messiah has come. He didn't just come and go. In our Catholic faith, he came and he remains with us. And we need to deeply dive into that heart and soul and mind and every aspect of our lives. I really believe that the real renewal in the church is about more deeply reverencing in the liturgy and with all those controversies and with teaching, just, just really saying the Lord of the universe for me is down the hall in a small chapel in a tabernacle and he's here and we need to turn to him. So I truly do believe that Eucharistic renewal is Catholic church renewal and human renewal. I, I truly believe that. I couldn't agree more. Um, like I couldn't agree more. Can you give us some ideas on how catechists and I, I'm one as well on how we can convey the vital truth of the Eucharist to our students? Well, it, it really is the same thing I would say to myself and to every priest and every Bishop, but really every Catholic, as you pose it to, to spend time with him, to get to know our best friend our Lord and Savior, the Redeemer, the King of the universe. There's so many different aspects of the Christ mystery. We need to get to know him, spend time with him. And, and honestly, me spending time, as I've always promoted and believed in Eucharistic adoration, benediction, that recognizing, certainly the Mass is our greatest prayer, but the Eucharistic species that is left, consecrated bread that is placed in the tabernacle, primarily to feed those who weren't, that's where it came from, was to feed those unable to join in the Eucharistic sacrifice. But through the ages, a recognition that we have him here with us, and we need to really focus on that and to appreciate that. And I'll have to tell you, William, and I've told many people I believe, you know, you you mentioned me speaking out. I'm writing a book. I'm doing all these things that I never expected to do, in some ways never wanted to do. And where's the energy? Where's the strength? Where is any ability for this kid from East Texas to do this? It's flowing directly from a relationship with Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. I try to spend significant time every day if at all possible. And one thing I've learned, William, and I would encourage, because I know people are busy, and, and a lot of times you get the question, you may have the question yourself, what do I do You know, when I'm there in a little chapel with the monstrance or with the tabernacle? And my suggestion, it's pretty simple, but it, it takes practice. It takes sort of letting our guard down and, and letting our expectations sort of fall by the wayside and just spend time with him. I don't know if you're a married man, but if you are, how yeah. do you get to know your spouse? You spend time with that person. And hopefully, in what marriage should be, you want to. You want to spend time with that person. And we we all need that spousal relationship with Christ. Uh, he's the, the spiritual bridegroom for all of us, men and women, for every disciple. And so... <clears throat> The best way, I think, you as a catechist and any catechist, any deacon, priest, or bishop, anyone who wants to share him with others, 
get to know him better, spend more time. And I've had to learn that just giving your time, certainly to, to do it as consciously as possible, but there are days when I'm there in the presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, and really, I'm just there. I'm not praying a rosary. I'm not reading anything. I'm just, I'm sort of zoned out, but I'm there. And I think even that, I mean, I think the humility of that and acknowledging it's not some great program. It's not some process that only the saints got to find out about. It's just being with him. And he will do what you need, which may be very different than what I need, but spend the time. I would say, William, really, if if you're, a, and thank you, if you're a volunteer catechist in your parish, um, we need those. We need disciples who are willing and and ready to share the faith with children, with young people, with adults that are interested in learning about the faith. I would say a, a rule of thumb would be for every hour you spend in the classroom or in the meeting hall or however you catechize, every time hour you spend catechizing should be matched by an hour with the master just in prayer. I mean, that to me, I think would be a huge step in the right direction. And I, honestly, as I think about it, I, I've really never very concretely thought about it in those terms, but um, I, I can say not not by my own merit, but just because I've felt compelled to, you know, I spend at least an hour and hopefully more every day in the presence of him. And so a homily I give at mass or anything I do as a bishop that is the most important thing. I mean, there's a lot of administration, as I'm sure there sure. is in your life. There's business to be done, which isn't bad, but it it needs to not overwhelm what is the core business of knowing the Lord and being disciples. <clears throat> so in addition to developing a deeper love for, for the Eucharist, what can our listeners do to be that light and leaven in our, in our communities a bit more? Well, hand in hand with that, I really believe is a deeply penitential heart, mm-hmm. not to almost the opposite of beating yourself down and saying, oh, my bad, because there's some of that in Christianity and, and in the church or or in other denominations of, oh, we're bad, we're terrible. And um, there is a lot of bad. I mean, we just have to look, look at the world. There's a lot right. of brokenness, but not penitential in that sense, but just in the sense of humility and in the sense of just a good reality check that if we think about who we're in the presence of, how dare we, in a sense? How dare I approach as an ordained priest and bishop, how dare I approach an altar and take bread and wine, and there he is. He's present, body and blood, soul and divinity. So again, connecting to the Eucharist. But I think to be penitential, to we're in a time where we, I feel called to make reparation for my own sins and for the sins of others. We hear that word reparation in the craziness of of our nation at this time, and I always try to be very clear. I'm not talking about reparation for the sins of people in the past. 
I'm not about reparation for my sins and the present atrocities toward the Lord, the, the lack of reverence for even right. Catholics. And part of that lack of reverence to me is for people, I mean, we, we're both well aware, and I don't want to wander deeply into all the political controversy that's there. But when we say, I have a right to receive the Eucharist, we're on the wrong track. Right, exactly. It is strictly gift. It is the Lord's loving abundance of mercy and love for us that allows us to receive his body and blood, soul, and divinity. We say fittingly, and it's a beautiful prayer in the Mass, I think we need to hear more as we say it. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. We need to embrace that as as our deep penitential truth. And the flip side is to then rejoice that as, as sinful as I am, as undeserving as I am, the Lord of the universe, the Son of God, comes to me to nurture my life. So to me, it's it's two sides of the same coin. To be very Eucharistic is to be very penitential and to celebrate the sacrament of confession joyfully and frequently. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. Sacrament of confession is such a, in my opinion, underutilized. <laughs> yeah. Um, in your book, you also discuss abortion as being the preeminent issue of our time. Um, why is that important to keep a focus on that issue? Well, really, William, again, I do believe that is a core issue that pervades so many aspects of the broken world that we live in. Agreed. And I've had a lot of lot of other Catholics, a lot of bishops and priests push back and say, oh, you talk too much about the unborn and talk too much about the sanctity of life in the womb. I don't think we can talk too much about it when millions are dying in yeah. the Holocaust of our time. And certainly there are, tragically, there are other ways that the body of Christ and individual children of God are suffering deeply, terrible injustices, whether it's injustices of immigration or human trafficking, or I mean, the list is long. But I guess I truly believe that it is preeminent. It is it really is beyond an issue. It is just the foundation. If we're destroying the most innocent in the womb, the, those closest to conception, then how can we expect anyone to be respected? I mean, we hear about in our cities yeah. the, the tragedy of, of shootings and crime that is just escalating. Where is that coming from? We don't respect each other. And how can we ever respect each other if the most innocent, the most voiceless are slaughtered? And that's where we are. Um, really, William, I, as, as you probably are aware, I, I get on the, the abortion um, track and, you know, it's hard to get me off sometimes because I think it is so critical. But we do have to recognize that the life in the womb is, is sacred and it is God saying, let there be another unique expression of me. God, we are expressions of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And when we literally abort that future, we're aborting your future and my future. We're aborting God's plan. And that is about as devastating as it gets. It becomes a diabolical force that is, I mean, it's overwhelming. I mean, the goodness of God and the mercy of God 
that I believe are the only things that keep us afloat at this time, keep creation and, and God's plan for humanity moving forward. But we are, through abortion, I think we're undermining every single life. Um, right. Now, Your Excellency, the book has been out since November. What feedback have you received on the book? Very positive. Um, I imagine people that, you know, maybe read a bit and say, yeah, it's worthless or whatever. I, I don't hear from them. So, you know, I know, you know, usually in the um, publishing world, you know, you get all the different critiques and, you know, d the different comments about good and bad. Really, I have to say the people that have bothered to tell me what they think of the book have, have they've had some questions, um, rightly so, but very positive, very appreciative. Um, and it, it's interesting because I don't, I'm not a great scholar. I'm not a, a profound theologian. I'm just a man who, who does deeply believe and thankfully through prayer has really grown. I think I've learned more in prayer than, than in any other way. And I was in eight years of seminary, studied canon law for two years. So I've been in the academic world, but I'm very much not academic. And that is not to denigrate in any way those who have those gifts, but it's just not me. I, you know, I did fine in school and got the exams done and wrote the papers and did all the things that you have to do academically. But I think what resonates with people is, and what people here in Tyler, that I, I mean, I was rector of the cathedral here as a priest for 16 years. So people still tend to call me Father Joe. And I think they've, people that have read it, and a lot of people here haven't read it, because like Father Joe wrote a book, well, you know, that can't be much worth much. So, <laughs> I mean, um, But people will describe it as, Father Joe, it's, it's like sitting down at dinner with you and talking about the church and talking about the faith. I think that's what people, what I've heard is that's what people appreciate. I mean, it's a pretty short book. It's a pretty easy read. It's not deeply theological, but it's talking about the most profound truth that we know what God has revealed to us. Where can our listeners check out the book? Um, probably the easiest way to, is to go to our website on the St. Philip Institute, stphilipinstitute.org. Um, there's a place there to order Light and Leaven. Um, and Catholic Answers, of course, you can go to their website and they have it available. But uh, either of those, I think, would be an easy way to, to get the book. <clears throat> and we've been speaking with Bishop Joseph Strickland of the Diocese of Tyler and his book, talking about his book, Light and Leaven. Your Excellency, I thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks, William. All right. God bless you. You too. God bless. This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you.